Go to KDUS1060.com to register for the grand prize giveaway for lunch for two to Porta Subs for a year and also uh, the 2023 spring training tickets. We'll pull that winner on April the 23rd. The Padres were a distant second to the Dodgers in the regular season in 2022, but they eliminated and knocked out the hated Dodgers in four games during the NLDS. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Padres play-by-play man Jesse Agler. And Jesse, good to have you on the show once again. And uh, let's start with, uh, you know, obviously, I'm usually not a believer that one season automatically carries momentum into the next season, but I think the Padres eliminating the Dodgers last season, I think this is an exception. Uh, do you think it's a carry over there? I, I do, and I mean, I guess we'll we'll wait and find out, right? Because uh, the proof will be in the pudding, but um, for me, it does feel different now. And, and it, it's just a larger thing than maybe even momentum from one season to the next in my mind. You know, there was here, I, I think it's fair to say, a Dodger thing for the Padres. And the Dodgers just this dominant force for the last decade or so. And the Padres had all kinds of trouble with them in the regular season. And then, you know, you beat them in the playoffs and you realize, like, none of that matters anymore. And I think the Padres right now have goals that go well beyond winning the division. They have goals that go well beyond getting past the Dodgers. They certainly understand getting past the Dodgers is going to be part of reaching that goal. But it's not like it necessarily had been the last few years where it felt like that's the thing you were chasing. You know, they kind of checked that box. They said, all right, we beat these guys in the postseason. We, we got bigger fish to fry. And, and, again, that's no disrespect to the Dodgers. They've been the dominant force in this division for a long time. But to me, it, it really does feel like it, it's not the thing, quote-unquote, that it had been. Bob Melvin, uh, I think he's the best manager in Diamondbacks history. How much did his presence in San Diego in his first year last season, how much did that bring direction that seemed to be needed, at least from afar it seemed to be needed? No, he's huge. He's huge. And and look, I mean, part of having a team full of superstars is that there's a lot to manage. And, um, you know, what I often say to people is, you know, remember, in baseball, it's not a coach, right? Um, and, and when you think about what a manager actually is, it's a lot yep. more than the signs from the dugout. It's a lot more than the hit run. Um, it, it's managing that clubhouse. It's managing that lineup. It's managing those people, those personalities. And uh, I, I'm with you. I think he's one of the finest in baseball. Um, even though it's been a very long time at this point since he's played a game as a big leaguer, he fully, fully understands what it is. Um, he understands what these guys are going through. He knows the sort of little ins and outs of their personalities and their egos and the fragility of one situation versus another and how to manage that, again, I, I think as well as anybody in baseball. You mentioned manager. I mean, whoever came oh. up with that term way back when, is that was a brilliant move by whoever. I wish I had come up with something <laughs> like that, but then again, I'd be even older than I am now. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But anyway, what do you think he does? You know, you mentioned a few things there, but you know, as far as like in-game situations, what do you think? What do you think he does best? I mean, in-game, I think he's got a very good feel for you know pitching, and um, he's got an old-school bent to him. You know, in terms of, I think he probably trusts his starters and it's easy to do with the group that he's got here but you know he trusts those guys to work maybe deeper than a lot of like the hyper analytical modern guys might um you know he he says all right look it's you darvish like i'm going to send him back out there because he's you darvish and he's proven you know time and time again for however many years now that he's capable of doing it so he's got a really good feel for stuff like that you know obviously the running game has been de-emphasized in the sport for so long now that you know we haven't gotten a situ- into a situation yet where we've maybe been able to see exactly how he likes to handle that, but that might change this year with the rules differences and uh, with the running game expected to be a bigger part of MLB this year. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how aggressive he's going to get. 
Okay, so it took the topic three till I got to Manny. So there we go. Uh, you know, I decided to hold off on Manny for a couple of minutes. Uh, obviously, earlier this week, he said that he plans to exercise his opt-out clause in his contract after the season. I assume this is not surprising. And do you think that this could be a long-term, uh, season-long, con- really distraction of any kind for either Manny or the team? Yeah, no, I mean, it was as surprising as uh, the sun rising this morning. Everybody in the organization knew. Uh, that it was likely to happen. And, and look, of course, there was you know the possibility that they'd get something worked out in the winter. I know both sides were uh, at least intrigued by that possibility, but that's a difficult thing to do. And so him saying that the other day was not a surprise at all. It was, you know, to be fair to the media who reported it that way, it was, you know, the first time he'd come out and said it directly. But I think everybody who's been around this team understood that uh, that was pretty much a fait accompli. As far as distraction, I don't think so. I mean, all Manny cares about, all these guys care about is winning a World Series. That's what they're focused on. And um, you know, look, when, when Manny Machado gets into the batter's box, if he's thinking about his contract, he's not going to be able to hit, you know, what's coming his way. And we all know he hits what's coming his way better than anybody in baseball. So, um, no, I don't, I don't think it'll be a distraction at, at all. I think everybody in the room is a professional. Everybody understands the business side of this thing. It's not something that rocked the world here this week when he said that. Um, so, no, I don't, I don't think it'll be a distraction at all. Um, he's one of the most talented guys, you know, to, to ever play this game. And, and I expect him to have a monster, monster season, which is going to help the Padres do what they're trying to do here. Talking Padres with Jesse Agler. Uh, Xander Bogarts, uh, what, what does his addition mean as far as position-wise for Fernando Tatis, and how's, the, how's this all going to work out? Yeah, it's, that's a fascinating thing to go into. I mean, right now it looks like, you know, Bogarts will be a short and Tatis will be in right. Um, Tatis' suspension runs through April 20th, and in fact, uh, for our friends here in the Valley, uh, if he is on schedule, that means he'd return for a series against the Diamondbacks here in Phoenix. Um, so if you want to get your tickets to come check that out. But uh, he's, he's, he's looking good in right field. I mean, he's so just wildly athletic that, you know, it's not, uh, not a surprise at all, but it's just kind of neat to see a guy go out there and kind of show off that sort of athleticism when you haven't seen him do it much. But um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily, okay, he's playing right field now. That means he'll play right field forever. Um, similar with Bogarts. I could see things getting mixed up a little bit. They've got a lot of defensive versatility with these guys, um, including people on the infield like Jake Cronenworth and Hassan Kim. So I, I'm not sold that it's going to be as simple as, all right, this guy's going to be at first, this guy's going to be at second, this guy's going to be at short. I'll tell you, Manny will be at third. Um, but but outside of that, I, I could actually see it kind of uh, mixing and matching at different times over the course of the season. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. You know, scoring runs was at, at times an issue last year. I, I'm, I'm guessing that they're not anticipating that this year. What are your expectations <laughs> offensively for this unit? Yeah, no, I, I, I already asked somebody to check what the uh, Padre single-season run record is. Uh, oh, that's, that's where my okay. head is at. We haven't played a spring training game yet. And, and look, you know, baseball like life is impossible to predict, and who knows how it all plays out. But um, the the depth of this lineup is rather extraordinary, um, and and it's it's neat because this is a team that went to the NLCS last year. They were three wins away from going to the World Series last year, and then you add in pieces, you're going to have a a full year of Juan Soto now, who should be a far more comfortable, I think, and locked in Juan Soto than the one we saw after his arrival at the deadline last summer. So, uh, yeah, no, my expectation, and it's certainly not a crazy one. Uh, is that they are going to score an awful lot of runs this year. And let's flip this to the pitching side of things. Let's start with you, Darvish, getting the contract extension. Were you surprised at that? Uh, I was not surprised that he got an extension. I was surprised by the number of years. Um, now, I mean, if you want to be cynical and look at it, you say, all right, maybe there's something there about 
you know, changing the average annual value to, you know, make it a little bit more uh, friendly to the CBT, the, the luxury tax. But, um, I mean, look, I've, I've gotten to be around you for a couple of years now. If there's anybody that can pitch to 42, 43 years old, it's you, Darvish. He takes his fitness extremely seriously. He takes his preparation extremely seriously. He's also a kind of guy who knows how to pitch probably better than anybody else in baseball these days. And those are the kinds of guys that, that can pitch you know, into the early 40s if they're committed to doing so, and, and he obviously is. So um, I, I think it's neat. I, I consider myself lucky that I get to watch him pitch now in person every five or six days. Um, I enjoy it that much. I think he's one of the most fascinating talents we've ever seen in this game. And I, it's a joke. Like, my job, I, I just feel incredibly lucky right now. It's like, oh, Machado, Soto, Tatis, Darvish. Like, if one of those guys were on the team that I was around every day, I'd be excited about getting to watch their careers up close and personal. And for it to be that many of them, it's uh, it's kind of like a borderline joke at this point. So Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, and then they add Michael Waka. I thought that that was a nice late uh, you know, late off-season yeah. addition. For sure, for sure. You know, they're, they're looking for depth. I just saw Cole Hamels through his first uh, bullpen yeah. session of the spring a few minutes ago. He's not going to be uh, a factor, I wouldn't think, until probably July at the earliest. But, you know, it was kind of like, all right, let's, let's just kind of add as many guys into the hopper as possible, see what happens. I think right now they're fairly comfortable with Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo and Michael Waka as a four, five, and six in whatever order. And if those guys all do stay healthy, along with the first three that you mentioned, I think they do want to go with a six-man rotation, at least to start. Um, and then, you know, there, there are other options. There are other guys, uh, some young guys, some new guys to the organization who are going to be given a, a pretty good look here in spring training as uh, they try and figure out how they want to piece this thing together. But the, the one, two, three uh, with Darvish and Musgrove and Snell is, is pretty remarkable. And then, um, you know, they're, they're certainly hoping they can get some depth out of those other guys. I'm with you, though. I love the Waka signing. Just kind of like a solid veteran, knows how to go about it uh, kind of guy. He had a really good year in Boston last year. You know, he had some shoulder injuries before that, and the Padres have said uh, their, their medical staff took a very close look at Michael Waka's shoulder, and uh, they feel comfortable that he's kind of beyond those problems. Josh Hader came over, and obviously by the end of the season, he was uh, in dominant fashion. Before that, uh, he had uh, lots going on, obviously some off-the-field situations that he couldn't control. But uh, yeah, by the end of the season, he looked like Josh Hader of years past. I assume that they're just ex- expecting that to continue this year. For sure. Uh, not only did it by the end of the year did he look like Josh Hader of years past, he was actually throwing harder. I think like the five hardest <laughs> pitches he's ever thrown in his career came in the playoffs last year. So he was amped up. He was ready to go. Um, he's, he's definitely the guy you slot in there at the back end. But, you know, the, the other guys that were, you know, important for them in the back end of the bullpen last year are back. Luis Garcia and Robert Suarez both had really, really good 2022 seasons. Um, they've also, you know, brought in some other guys to kind of be around that. Drew Pomerantz, they hope, is going to come back from injury. He could be a late inning factor as well, but I don't think they're necessarily counting on him. He missed all of last year with a finger issue, but um, they, they feel very good about the bullpen. And I mean, again, if everybody stays healthy and when does that ever happen, I don't know that there's a spot in the bullpen that's really up for grabs here in spring training. And that's a pretty crazy thing to say. Maybe one, you know, maybe one spot for like one of those extra starters to be as a swing guy. Um, but outside of that, pretty much everybody is locked into their spot on the roster. And that, uh, again, I think just illustrates how, uh, how deep of a team this is right now. Um. You meant we went through a lot of the pitchers here. Yeah, pitching and defense are kind of things that go together, as far as I'm concerned, forever. Uh, so, how would you assess the defense for this team heading into 2023? Yeah, like we said earlier, in terms of like, I don't know exactly know how many games every guy is going to play a position, but they're all really good. I mean, the, the joke around here has been 
they have uh, four shortstops on the infield. You know, with Machado, yeah. Bogarts, Kim, and Cronenworth, they're all extremely athletic. They can all play multiple positions. And so, I mean, it, logic would say, I guess, that, you know, with the shifting restrictions in place, they're going to be in a pretty good spot because all of those guys can really range and go get the baseball, which you're going to have to do more now. In the outfield, Trent Grisham just won his second gold glove in center. Soto's going back to left. He was a gold glove finalist last year. Um, you know, he knows there's work to do on his defense, and I'm sure he's doing it. And then, you know, whether it's Tatis in right field long term or not, we'll see. But he's going to be able to run around and go get it, too. So, yeah, no, I mean, the defense the defense should be good. For my money, Manny is the best defensive player in baseball over at third base. Bogart's coming off his best defensive season uh, last year with the Red Sox. And I mentioned the athleticism of the other two guys. So they, they should, should, on paper at least, uh, be one of the top defensive teams in baseball. You mentioned the shifting rules and how that's going to impact things. How do you think it's going to impact things? Has that been a wide topic of discussion, at least early days of spring training here? I mean, everything's going to be a topic of discussion, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make a huge impact. Um, I actually think the shift is probably not going to make a huge difference in terms of raw numbers over the course of the season. However, I do expect that, you know, once or twice a game maybe, you know, there's a base hit and you kind of think to yourself or say to yourself, hey, that wouldn't have been a hit last year, which will be fun. I think that's good for the game. Um, the, the pitch timer is obviously the most glaring one, I think, for a lot of fans. Um, what, what I expect, though, is that it's not going to change the game so much as it's going to restore the game to looking like what it sort of always did look like until the last 10 or 12 years when everybody turned into Steve Traxel and, you know, the game really slowed down a lot. So I, I don't think it's going to be like that jarring of a thing when you're just watching. Will there be an adjustment for the players? Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, for those of us listening on radio, watching on television, it's not going to be, you know, some crazy difference. It's just going to sound more like what we remember baseball sounding like. Steve Traxel, I actually I was working in Chicago when he was pitching for the Cubs, so it was uh, I, I tried tried to avoid the days that he was actually pitching. Quite frankly, you know, I, I actually TV. it's funny. I've, I've I've wanted to go to YouTube and put a stopwatch on Traxel. I bet he would be like relatively fast compared to a lot of guys these days. That's it's probably true. He's the only one, yeah. I remember Mark Grace even at some point, I'm paraphrasing what Grace said, but he wasn't exactly thrilled when Trax was pitching either. <laughs> so we'll see how that – yeah, that, that was definitely an issue for sure. Talking Padres with Jesse Agler. Okay, so they traded several many prospects over the last 12 months. They got any prospects left? Oh, yeah. they. I mean, it's, it's top-heavy right now, but they got two or three guys they're really excited about, um, all of whom are young. So not necessarily guys that you expect to make a huge impact this year, but of course that's okay. They're, they're pretty well stocked at the major league level right now, uh, but they got a shortstop, Jackson Merrill, who's 19 years old, a former top pick uh, that they're extremely high on. He's one of the best prospects in baseball. And then even a couple of years younger than that, they're, uh, they're big international signing this year. Ethan Salas is a catcher from Venezuela, who I think pretty much everybody regarded as the number one international prospect. So while they don't have the depth of prospect capital that they did the last couple of years, uh, they got a couple of guys they think can be, you know, really big impact uh, performers uh, at some point, whether it's three years from now, four years from now, we'll see. Uh, but again, I mean, they're they're kind of in a different stage of life right now, so to speak. There's a few sports books that have posted season win totals for the upcoming season, and I've kind of done an unofficial consensus. I've kind of came up with 93 and a half, so over or under 93 and a half wins for the Padres in 2023. That sounds about right to me. Um, I'm, I'm not going over under because it just makes me look silly when, when something different happens. But that 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 feels like the neighborhood. Um, you know, I'm curious also to see like how the new schedule affects things. You know, yeah. in terms of that, like 
the, the Padres the last couple of years, they did not feast on the Rockies. They did not feast on the Diamondbacks. Um, and, you know, to me it was always like if you're playing them that many times, it's kind of hard. So I, I wonder if now, you know, two fewer series against the divisional opponents, if maybe, you know, those games against the Rockies or those series against the Rockies become a little bit more one-sided. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious about that. And then, obviously, playing some other unfamiliar teams, is that an advantage or a disadvantage for a good team like this? Um, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny now with the extra playoff spots added. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> for better or worse, and I think everybody knew this going in, it does make the regular season feel a little less urgent and a little less important. It's obviously very difficult to imagine the team not making the playoffs. Um, I guess, sure, you'd like the bye uh, by winning, you know, the, the division. But last year they went to the NLCS without winning the division. And, and you know, it's uh, it just feels a lot less urgent. It feels like a lot less critical, um, you know, to pile up 103 wins or something like that uh, with those extra playoff spots available. So we'll see. That leads exactly into what I was going to ask you last. Uh, if you, would it be all things considered, you just mentioned several things to consider, uh, all things considered, would it be disappointing if they don't finish ahead of the Dodgers during the regular season? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, they'd love to. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure the competitive juices and the players, they would tell you that that's the first of their many goals. But, um, I, again, after last year beating them in the playoffs, does it matter? The, the goal here is World Series. It really is. Um, you know, the, the goal is to do something that no team in San Diego has ever done, major league team, and that's win a world championship. And so if that means finishing in second place, that's fine. You know, that's fine. Um, they're they're going to be in the playoffs, like I said, to, you know, get in the tournament, see what happens, and try and do something here that nobody's ever done. Jesse, good stuff. Appreciate the time. Thanks for rescheduling, too, because, you know, I had the plague for like a day and a half. So thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure, Bob. Always great to chat with you every spring. Yeah, and we'll try to do this during the regular season, too. Thanks. Jesse Agler, uh, Padres play-by-play man, and we appreciate his time.